amen and amen, amen, amen. It is good to be in church. Amen, amen. There are a few people that I haven't seen for a while. We thank God that um, some of the restrictions are being relaxed. It's like we can see a little bit of the light, right? We can see some light coming to the end of the tunnel. Amen, amen. All right, so for, as Pastor Omar just explained, uh, for the past few weeks, uh, he taught on um, relationships from the Word of God. And it is very evident, based on the information that he shared, or was shared, that we were created for and by relationships. And we actually live by, for, and in relationships. All about relationships, right? God himself is a relationship. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, but right now, and the reason why he shared so much on relationships is because how the relationships our relationships have been affected by the current pandemic right it has affected marriages friendships work relationships relationships in the church has often also been affected and unfortunately it's been in an adverse way or a negative way right but here's a little twist to it ironically some people are the view that the trying times are the hard times has brought about some good. Amen. It has caused us to really see, or it has revealed and exposed the truth of some of us hearts. What you really believe, who are you really committed to, and where you really stand in a relationship with God and with people. Amen. 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 We give thanks in all things. And so from the two key passages that was just read of Scripture, it highlights to us that God wants us to know if our faith is genuine or not, or if we are really, truly a part of God's family or not. God wants us to know that if we are really, genuinely a believer or a child of God, or if we are not. Not to condemn you. It's for you to really check yourself, see where you are when it comes on to you being obedient and following the word of God. And this is most important. The truth is that we major a lot on the minor. And when you major on the minor, you minor on the major. All right? This is most important because this is going to determine where you are going to spend eternity. Some people take that lightly. They think you're going to go to hell and have a, a beer drinking party and everybody jumping around and thing. Scripture says there'll be weeping and wailing and a gnashing of teeth. Serious stuff. Where you will spend eternity. But so, what is the defining mark for those who really belong to the family of God? Those who are his children. and Those who are walking in agreement with his word. Those who do the will of of the Father. That's what he said. The word says it. It's those who do the will of my Father. Amen. We're going to get into that. Amen. Amen. It's not those who were born into a certain family. Not Pastor Pickney or not Pastor Children. Right? <laughs> right? It's not those who only hear, come and listen to the word. Oh, I know it and I can quote scripture. It's not those who just say the right things and have all the right quote-unquote answers. Not those who even do great works. Charity, they, 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 they contribute to all kinds of causes and everything. Not those who do those things. But those who do the will of the Father. That's it. John MacArthur is quoted as saying this. The very essence of our Christian life is to do the will of the Father. That's it. Sounds simple. It's true. The very essence of your Christian life is to do the will of the Father. So Jesus Christ is the God-man. Great mystery. Right? Great is the mystery of godliness. Right? God was, was revealed in the flesh, received up in the spirit, believed upon men, and received up in glory. Great is the mystery of God in it. But the God-man, Jesus Christ, who was truly God and truly man, right? Not just fully, because we're not measuring it. The very essence of his being is that he was completely God and completely man, right? He was the second person of the Godhead, 
and was revealed in the form of a man. And as such, he was the second Adam, the son of God. Right? And his premier focus was to do the will of the Father. He said this in John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Also in John 5, 30, he says this. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Again, in John 6, 38. For I have not come down from heaven. Sorry. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Way before that, King David, right? He prayed this in Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will. That's the focus. So here's the thing. God's will is not hidden. It's not, mysteri- it's not mysterious. And so he prays, teach me to do it. Because in essence, we need to be empowered by him to do his will. We know that we know we're not going to do it in our own strength, correct? We need the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We need God. But it is revealed on the pages of Scripture. And as a premier focus and desire of our Lord Jesus Christ was to do the Father's will, so it should be also for us as believers, right? the followers of Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, I'm going to read this one. You can put it down on your note. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It's not how you dress. It's not what you own. But as obedient children, be holy in all your conduct. Be holy, for I am holy. He who called you is holy. We declare or we demonstrate our holiness by our obedience to the word of God as dear children of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so the first thing, let's bring clarity let us first answer this question. What is the Father's will? And as believers, Pastor Omar might get a lot. People might come to him and say, what do you think is the will of God for my life? Or do you think this is God's will? And so this is something that we're always trying to seek to find, which is good, because you need to know what is the will of the Father. All right? So on your notes, hopefully I laid a good foundation in your notes, right? What is the will? What is the Father's will? God's will is twofold. There is a sovereign will of God, and then there is God's will for man. And as you attend church, and as you grow in your Christianity, you'll always hear this. The mention of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. All right? And the two parallel roads, when they meet, sometimes it's settled only in the mind of God. But there is God's sovereignty and human responsibility. The sovereign, absolute, decreed, and determined will of God cannot be altered or thwarted by, thwarted, sorry, by any created being or thing. He says it, and it is done. And there's no, that, that's, that's like, we talk about miracles, but with everything that happens, with all the choices that we think we're making, doing all that we're doing, God, whatever God says he's going to do, we cannot do anything to alter that. The sovereign will of God. It is done. He says it, it is done. Job 42 verse 2 confirms it. After Job went through his time of testing, he said this, I know you can do everything and no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. He saw God for who he is. Amen? Isaiah 46, 9 to 11 declares this. And this is the Lord speaking. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, there are, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. 
I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. The sovereign will of God. Nebuchadnezzar being humbled, according to, says it in Daniel 4.34. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? That is the God we serve. And that is according to the sovereign will of God. But we do pray this. Thy will be done. Because we now have a part to play in God's desire for our life. God's will for our lives. And so God's will for man, remember it's twofold, is accomplished through human responsibility. This is the obedience of man. You know, as I said, like the mysterious, people make the, God, the will of God so mysterious. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of this church, and we went through a text called Experiencing God. Changed my life. And I, and I love to go back and go through that text sometimes just to get the proper perspective because it says this, that we seek to join God in what he is doing. We love to know, which college am I going to go to? You know, which job should I choose? Or which... You don't have to be overly focused on that. You pray about it, but what has God called you to do and what God is doing, join him in doing that and he will bring about his will in your life. The challenge though is that we want a will of our own. I want God to join us in doing what we want to do. Amen. Pray about it. Amen. Amen. So God's will for man is outlined on the pages of scripture and can be summarized in these six points. God's will for man is that he is, one, saved. God deserves us to be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, it, it, it says that he desires all men to be saved. You know the first Peter scripture that says that he's not willing that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. That's God's desire for us, for us to be saved. How do you come in, come in agreement with that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and come in agreement with the word and confess that he is Lord and you shall be saved. Amen? God's will for man is that he is spirit-filled. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, dissipation, sorry, All right? don't ruin your life, but be filled with the spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Be controlled by the Word of God. His Word is Spirit and their life. God's will for man is that he is sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Avoiding sexual immorality and all those things. Here's the one that a lot of us probably might not like, but it's true. It's in the scripture, right? God's will for man is that he should suffer. First Peter 2 verse 21 says, for this, for this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. As a believer, you're going to suffer and you're going to go through persecution. And it is the training process that is causing you to be sanctified and sinning less. So don't be scared. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. I know it's not easy, but trust God. He'll take you through. God's will for man is that he be submissive. First Peter 1, 13 to 15 says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, for this is the will of God. Really speaks to humility and submitting to all authority. Because all authority is from? And God's will for man is that we say thanks. Be thankful. Why? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not so mysterious, is it? Straightforward. 
We can come into agreement with those words. So, God's will for man is only accomplished when we are compliant and completely submissive and obedient to the word of God. And this is how we walk in holiness as his dear children. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to take it from another twist now. And here's the reality. The book of 1 John, which is a sermon, it's highlighting and making known who are true believers. For us to check ourselves and see if we're really walking in the light. We belong to the Lord. James, the book of James is speaking. Let's see if your faith is genuine. And the Lord will speak all the time for you to check to see if you're really following him. And if you really are you're trusting him and you are seeking to be obedient to his word. So the people who are part of a church's membership fall into two main categories. And this is real talk. You're either, in, you're either an imposter or you're an, in, you're an imitator of Christ. Amen. Amen. So from these two passages of scripture that was read earlier, we are going to look at three attributes of those who think they are part of God's family. They think they're holy. They think they're walking in God's will. But they are not because they do not do the will of the Father. First one. Self-deception. Let me just define it for you. It's the act or practice of allowing oneself to believe that a false or unvalidated feeling, idea, or situation is true. You're believing a lie. And you think it's true. Completely deceived. So those who think they belong to God's family are not saved. And are not, they're not saved. They are self-deceived. You've heard of Lucifer. He mastered that. Read Isaiah 14, right? 13 to 15, right? And it's, he, he makes five I will declarations. The last one he says this, I will be like the most high. You know why he's going around deceiving everybody else? He's deceived. He thinks he really going to be, or he is, like God. Or he is God, the most high. So he can't help it. He's deceived. He's going to deceive because he has deceived himself. The scripture says, for he said in his heart, I will exalt myself on the mountains of God. I will, I will, I will be like the most. You're not. But he believes the lie, and he is so much, like he's so empowered in himself to keep on going around and doing that, right? And so just like the devil, those who are not saved, claim that they belong to God and are not, are children of their father, the devil, as the scripture says, right? They are not ear- they are hearers, but not doers of the word, deceiving themselves. You know, I've, I've heard the scripture so many times, honestly, and I never really look at that last part that says, deceiving themselves. The fact that you're a hearer and not a doer, the NLT translation says, fooling yourself. You really think you're fooling somebody? You think you have it down, you think you're putting on a show and everybody's taking it. Oh, that person is, you're only fooling yourself. And here's the thing, just like the devil, because you're doing this, Meaning, you're hearing the word, you come here, you can't quote the scriptures, you can't say hallelujah. Sometimes you have the loudest, amen. Somebody say amen. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You think that you are coming across, you're deceived if you're not doing the word. When you hear the word, you get the instruction. It's surprising to know that you're in here praising and if you step outside, people are like, is this person really coming from church? From church on the rock, oh, us, and they're behaving like that. Do not, you're deceived, and that's what you keep in the same behavior. They, they have a thing to say. My brother Okito always likes it to me. They always say, Nothing wrong with it. They actually believe that. 
because you're deceived. You need deliverance. They're religious, but lost. They think they're Christians, but they're heading for eternal damnation unless they recognize their true condition and repent. It's always, we always must pre- With the judgment, there's always a comfort to tell you that. Repent. The sad thing about when you're so deceived, you don't desire it. You're still going down that path, still thinking that you're, un- like you're, you're doing it up, and you, you think you're holy, and you're walking in truth, but you are deceived. We have to pray. For, we have to pray. We have to pray for our brothers. We have to pray that people really check and see what their true condition is. Right? Amen. I'll share with you quickly. Ah, ah, my, I contracted the coronavirus, right? Early uh, in <laughs> late December into January. And so while I was at home in quarantine, um, one of the teenagers called me. In the middle of the night, no, it was a text. In the middle of the night, um, Kayla, Kayla does that, brother Kevin. I don't know, <laughs> like eleven thirty, and hi, Uncle Desna, and it's a black one long line of questions, right? And she she was asking me about heaven and hell, and she read some things in Romans. She wanted me to explain it, and then some things from Matthew, and then I started reading it and having Corona and thing, and then thinking like I might die. I started. <laughs> I had to check. I to, I'm serious, though. I had to start checking myself. Like, I remember getting up in the middle of the night, and I, like, I, I kind of coughed, and I felt like my whole body was had, had suffered some effect from that cough, and so I might really die. I was like, wonder if Kayla called me because I might be going to hell. <laughs> I'm not, though. The fact that I was willing <laughs> to do the self-inspection, or the introspection is also a mark to say that you want and you're seeking and you desire to go to God's will. And in essence, you know what I mean? The deception isn't there because I really, really started. I got down into some scriptures. I'm telling you. And it, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Amen. Blessed our teenagers. <laughs> so knowing your faith is genuine is a wonderful assurance. But thinking that you're saved when you're not is the most frightening deception imaginable. I tell you. I tell you, people make light of heaven and hell and their eternal destiny. I tell you, though, the one person in church who really believe and you're not saved and to go at the end of your life, stand before the Lord, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What was it worth to know that you've lived this life, put on the show, do all the things, play a church, do whatever, go before a mighty God, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. In my opinion, that's one of the most gripping, frightening passages in Scripture. But here's the thing, the truth is, as 2 Timothy 3, verse 13 says, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sad thing is that most people are not going to stop. And we wonder sometimes, like, why them can't really, like, how you can't? Because of that deception, they just keep going and going, De- being deceived, going around deceiving others, just like the fallen Lucifer, deceived, going around and deceiving others. Deception of this magnitude is a tragedy beyond description. But here's the truth, family. We need not fall prey to this once, we've endure, once we endeavor to be both hearers and doers of the word. If you're here, Pastor Mark preached the word. You get in the Bible, you're doing your devotions, you get an instruction from the word. Relate it to your life and apply it. Do not just go and do whatever you feel like in your own opinions because you will end up in deception, and the worst deception of all, you will be deceiving yourself. 
Second Corinthians 13 verse 5 says to examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Test to see if you're in Christ unless you are disqualified. Amen. John 8.31 says, Abide in my word. You are, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Who are my mother, my brothers, my sisters? Those who do the will of the Father. Those who live in the word, who live by the word, who are controlled by the word. Abide in the word. The second point, or the second attribute of those who think they belong to God and they're not. They lack integrity. What is integrity? It's a state of being whole and undivided. You practice what you preach. You practice what you preach. So those who, think, those who do not belong to God's family, think that they are, are mere sayers. I like being a part of Family Church on the Rock. I made up that word. I mean, that's like, I feel that thing. But I know you guys know what I, I mean, right? And uh, you, you get it, right? So they're sayers and not obeyers. Here's what the scripture says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Right? So it's not just what you say. It's more what you do. Live a lifestyle of integrity. As we'd say, it have a line up. Right? You can't just, like, we, we can't just be saying things here. Like, integrity is that if you're here, or you are here at church, you should be the same at work. You should be the same at home. You should be the same on the road. You know, you're not schizophrenic being one person here, another person downstairs. When you reach home, you chip into another person. You should be the same for living a life of integrity. Amen? They say that Jesus Christ is Lord, but their lifestyle prove contrary. All right? So Jesus Christ exemplified integrity. Uh, they, there's the 19th to the 20th century uh, Irish playwright. His name is George Bernard Shaw. He was a political activist and a propagandist, social propagandist. And, like, had a lot of influence, right? And um, he said this. He criticized, he's an atheist, and he criticized Jesus. And in his criticism of Jesus, he was saying, sometimes I wonder if, if Jesus Christ is a Christian. Here's the thing. He could find no higher plane to judge Christ by but Christ because of how his integrity was so exemplary. If you notice, notice this. A lot of, a lot of listen to even the secular songs. That, you see, them see him one crucified. They always speak well of Christ most times, but they'll say, and you say you are Christian. Because Christ exemplified integrity in terms of living what he said and walking according to the word. And as Christians, we need to also do that, right? George Bernard was a very kind of weird guy. He said, I am an atheist and I thank God for him. But so, <laughs> so, so don't, don't necessarily take his word for it. But just saying, the world is always judging us still and saying, but you say, but you say that you are a Christian. How are you do? Because Christ left us that example of integrity that we are called to walk in, right? Amen. Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9 says, These people draw, these people draw near to me with their mouths, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Say one thing, do another. But to love Christ and to be characterized by ever-increasing fidelity to biblical truth is the heart of true integrity. It's the heart of true holiness. It's the heart of true separatedness unto God. Your integrity, your agreement, your obedience in walking according to the word of God. Biblical truth. That's our authority. 
That's what we base everything we do on. You come and ask me, the Bible says. That, that principle is outlined in the Bible. It is written. Hallelujah. That's what it is. I don't need to tell you what I think. I need to read the Bible some more and see what it says. But I don't need to give you my opinion. Amen? Because I want to walk in integrity and I want my brothers and my sisters to also do the same. Amen? Amen. So Psalm 15 verses 1 to 2, reading from the New American Standard Bible, says this. Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may settle in your holy hill? One who walks with integrity, practices righteousness, and speaks truth in his heart. Here's how you're going to really walk in integrity. People that meditate on the word, you are now filling your heart with truth. That is what is going to dictate. And out of the heart flows the issues of life. Speak the word inwardly. Meditate on it. And you'll find that you're directed by it. And in so doing, you will walk in true integrity. As dear children of the Father. Walking in holiness. Christian integrity has been defined as the absence of compromise and the presence of biblical convictions. Sometimes you'll feel a little way like, I wonder if. And then because the word is in you, you hear something. But the word says. And even though you almost feel like, you start to think, but how may I go really even feel after I go do something like that? But you know what? You're convicted by the truth. And so no matter how it looks good, it may sound good, somebody might be so convincing, it is beyond you to go through with it because you're convicted by the truth and you are seeking to walk in truth, in true biblical integrity. That's why we can't do certain things. Even though we feel a little way sometimes. We can't do it. Amen? Amen. Many people in scripture demonstrated in exemplary integrity. Daniel, you know, if you check it, you really never seen anywhere where he like sin. Or Joseph and Nehemiah, all of those, right? This is especially timely in our day right now because the spirit of compromise is flourishing all around us in politics. Jamaican politics, American politics, every kind of other politics, lack of integrity. In sports, some people that we looked up to, you hear that they cheat. You know what I mean? I can't say it. Like Lance Armstrong. I was so proud of this guy, right? But then you hear that they cheat. In business, brother Kevin always tell me that. They, they always say to him, like, there's no honest businessman in Jamaica. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because brother Kevin is a businessman. <laughs> and sadly, even in the church, integrity is lacking. But scripture calls us to an uncompromising standard that reflects the integrity of Christ himself. That's, that's why we get the teachings and that's why the Lord has left that example for us to also walk as he walked. First John 2 verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. Christ-likeness. Be like Christ. That's who we are. That's how we seek to live our lives. All right? The third point is, those who say that they are part of God's family, they're not. Disobedient. Disobedience. Right? They walk in disobedience. I don't even have to define that. Rebellious. Don't follow instructions. They are disobedient. The lives of those who claim to be children of God but are not usually display a pattern of habitual disobedience. I, I think uh, as you know, Keith and I are close friends and stuff and he was sharing something with me and he told me that his wife, his lovely wife said this, patterns don't lie. You can write it down too. I think it's a very good quote. Patterns don't lie. So this is habitual sin. So this is not a one-off. 
people are continuously doing some, some of the same things, knowing that it is not in agreement with the truth. The pattern, the patterns don't lie. Habitually disobedient. What did the scripture say in Matthew 7.23? You who practice lawlessness. It's a practice. It's a continuous, it's a habit. You're continuously doing it. Depart from me, I never knew you, because you practice lawlessness. So whoever is committed to sin or practices habitual sin is a slave of sin. But as children of God, we practice righteousness. Right? Let's read this real quick. First John chapter 3, verse 6. 4 to 9 reads, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who is sin, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, is not committed to sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot habitually sin because he has been born of God. Clear as day. Amen? Amen. So, submission to God's word and an insatiable desire to please him are the true signs of salvation. And this is where we're going to get tricky now, right? Not prophesying, not casting out demons, or working miracles. I was tempted to also put not speaking in tongues. Not singing on the praise of worship to you. All right? Those are not the true signs of salvation. It's your submission to God's word. And having this when you say insatiable, it means this. Your satisfaction in him, but you keep on, even though it's in him, you always are, you're seeking always to please him, to do his will, to do what you know is pleasing to him. You are saved. That's why you're submissive. You're humble. That's why you seek to be spirit-filled and controlled by his word. You're constantly seeking to please him. Not, check this. Did you know that Judas prophesied? Did miracles? Casted out demons? Right? Where is he now? It's, it's, it's not those outward there's a, amen. Amen. Those who love the Lord aspire to keep his commandments and to do his will. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Our love for the Lord is demonstrated in our obedience. And we should be obedient children of God, walking in holiness as he is holy. Amen? Amen. In John 14, verse 23 to 24, it reads, New Kingdom Version. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make or home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. See, the man Jesus Christ did the will of his Father by completely submitting and obeying God's word. He left us an example to follow so we may walk in close intimacy and in a close intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we may bring glory to his name. In conclusion, and 
Here's the reality is that some messages are hard to hear. Because the truth is that you need to hear sometimes a hard message to break and soften the heart so you may receive what the Lord intends for you. Not trying to condemn, but we need to check ourselves. Are we really walking in holiness? Are we really children of God as we claim? Are we seeking to do the will of the Father? Or are we deceived by being just mere hearers and not doers of the word? Just being mere sayers and not doing the Father's will? And are we walking in habitual disobedience, being rebellious, seeking our own, and trying to get God to line up with it. Examine yourselves. We need to examine ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, sorry, the Apostle Paul says, But I fear lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity and purity that is in Christ. The only way we can guard ourselves against this kind of deception is that we must endeavor to not just be hearers or proclaimers, but doers of the word. The scripture says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And we know this. To do the Father's will, you must be born again. Born from above. The importance of this cannot be overstated because heaven and hell are real places. It's appointed to man once to die, then comes the judgment. You wouldn't want to live your whole life and especially be a part of a church doing all the religious activities, thinking and believing that you are a child of God, singing it on Sundays, I'm a child of God. Yes, sir. Only to go before the Lord. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. So how we, we respond to the Father's will will determine our eternal destination. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite Pastor Omar to, to come forward and pray. <laughs> to pray to pray for us for those of us those of you who are online watching I don't know the state you're in don't know if you're backslidden those of us who are here in person but there's a joy that comes with knowing the assurance of your salvation and that you belong to him and you're empowered to do his will. Seek to do that as dear, obedient children of God, walking in truth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just with every head bowed and eye closed. If you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Listen, God is not too far that we can't reach Him. Maybe you heard something this morning, maybe. Sometimes we don't, we don't choose the path that we're on. Life just takes us there. So maybe you've been operating in self-deception, lack of integrity, or disobedience. Maybe you have resigned yourself to the sovereign will of God and that understanding that there is human responsibility. Salvation is a free gift, but there is human responsibility. For whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are in this room 
don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to attend a church. I'm not asking you if you love God. I'm asking you if you have a relationship with Him. And if you don't have a relationship with Him, I want to encourage you to start that relationship today. It's one of the easiest things that you can do. It is living the life that becomes a little difficult until you rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. But the initiation of that relationship is just to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth. So I'm going to pray with you. But maybe you're here and you believe that you are saved. But when you heard about self-deception or lack of integrity or disobedience, you, you believe it applies to you, repent. And by that, it means to make a U-turn. It's to turn away and turn to. I want to pray for you as well. But for pride to work, it requires faith in God. You have to believe. And you also have to be honest with God. So if that's you, you want to be saved or you want to recommit your life to him, you don't want to end up like a Judas, you know, when Jesus sent out the 70 in twos, he went out and he, he cast out demons and he prayed for people, but look what happened in the end. So if you're ready, right where you are, with all honesty and brokenness, just a heavenly father, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. I am a sinner, and I need a savior, and only you can save me. I surrender to you. I submit to you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he was buried, but now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. I give you my whole life. Every part of me now belongs to you. For those of you who may be walking in deception or lack of integrity or disobedience, come just pray with you. Say, Lord, forgive me for my walk. It doesn't always match my talk. So forgive me, Lord. I don't always practice what I preach, so forgive me, Lord. I admit that there's lack of integrity. I don't always follow the convictions, and so I choose to compromise. So, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I, I disobey. I know what your word says, but sometimes I follow my opinion. Forgive me, Lord. Come on, just say, forgive me, Lord, because I'm deceived. I thought because I'm doing all the religious things, I have a relationship. 
about this morning. Come on, just say this morning, Lord. I am coming after you. I need you more than I've ever needed you. I walk out of deception. And I come to a place of truth and openness before you. I walk out of disobedience. And I commit to be an obeyer of your word. I will walk in, in integrity. I will live holy. For you are holy. Come on, just say, I thank you, Lord. And let your will be done. And let your kingdom come. In my life. In Jesus' name.